0: They're not surviving, they're thriving. They're not hidden figures. You just haven't been looking. These black and Latinx women in STEM have stories to share about their challenges.
1: Like I said, my first semester was the hardest. I think it was just it was just getting used to college.
0: Successes. You're you're an incoming, not incoming anymore. You you started at Google two weeks yes. ago. Yes and lessons learned. Trying to learn to
1: be more independent, but also not being independent because I need to feel comfortable
0: asking questions and like relying on people to help me. It's time to amplify them. My name is Matt Stevenson, and welcome to another episode of Technically 200, a podcast about Black and Latinx women in STEM. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Courtney Campbell, a graduate of the Ohio State University who fell into engineering because of her love for solving problems. All right, Courtney, let's get started. (coughs) I'm so excited to be speaking to Courtney Campbell. She is a graduate of the Ohio State University. (laughs) <laughs> that never. That will never get old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's always fun when other people say it and I don't have to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the Ohio State University, and I, I'm going to say before we end the podcast, you have to explain that to the audience because I don't know that everybody's familiar with that. Um, but uh, you are an incoming, is it ITDLP analyst at GE? Is that right?
1: Yeah, you just um,
0: wait. did I, I add It's just
1: it's it's DTLP. You added one, oh, yeah. Oh,
0: that's right, DTLP. Right. DTLP. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right. So please explain to us what are all of those acronyms?
1: Yeah. Um. So GE has a program. So even the GE, I that Matt even
0: that even that acronym.
1: <laughs> yeah. So General Electric. Um. You know, Thomas Edison was the creator. You know, found out the first light bulb, well, the light bulb, I guess. Um. And then. DTLP stands for Digital Technology Leadership Program. Matt added an I because it used to be information technology, so he was actually right. Um, But Digital Technology Program, we learn about technology within each GE business. So I'm in the aviation business um, for my two-year rotational program.
0: Awesome. And so we have something in common because I actually interned at GE as well. uh,
1: Right. Yeah,
0: Very long time ago.
1: (laughs) <laughs> it's it's probably
0: not that long ago, but <laughs> <laughs> I was at I was at G Capital, that's how long ago. I don't think G Capital yeah. even they sold that off probably, right?
1: They did. They okay. did, yeah.
0: Okay. So I, I interned at G Capital as an FMP intern, so financial management program. And I know That
1: still exists.
0: That still exists. Okay. And I know yeah. GE, they are uh I believe they were the first ones to develop this leadership program um institution Idea? Right?
1: yeah yeah we just learned about that during onboarding i didn't know that so yeah.
0: yeah well so can you explain to us what what actually happens in a leadership program and and talk to us more yeah. about what what yours looks like
1: yeah so uh, mine is two years i do four different rotations each are six months long um, we have the chance just to learn the business, um, different sides of technology. So like right now, my first rotation will be technical product management. Um, it can range from software engineering, you could do data science and data analytics. You could do infrastructure architecture or architect. Um, so it really just depends on just learning the business as well. Like there's, um, different parts of the business, like software engineering or military, commercial, um, and that's just within the aviation business. Each business has their own kind of setup. So, um, also a good chance just to learn about being a better leader. We go through a lot of training. Um, we have a whole training plan that we have to do. Um, we get to do different experiences. So we'll get to uh, travel for a couple weeks in the U.S. and then we'll do outside the U.S. Um, it's a lot. It's it's chock full. The two years are chock full of a lot of different things.
0: Oh, okay, so. What it sounds like is uh, a mini MBA that they're paying you for.
1: Yeah. And you also have the chance to get your MBA. I think some people probably get their MBA, but um, we have the chance of getting a degree from Georgia Tech as well online. Um, so a lot of different options. Yeah.
0: That is fantastic. And so what what even led you to work for GE? I mean, maybe we yeah. should even go, go further back than that. So yeah. you graduated? Uh, is it a year ago? Two years ago?
1: Um, I just graduated May twenty twenty.
0: Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, all so right. brand
1: new.
0: <laughs> you, you you've got the presence of a of a grad from twenty nineteen. <laughs> I appreciate
1: <laughs> it. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> well, so you uh, so you graduated uh, just a few months ago, and mm-hmm. you graduated with a degree in computer science and engineering. Is that right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So. Was that, was that a double major or was that, is that a combined major that they offer at OSU? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's, excuse me. It's one major. Um, but computer science, it's essentially a computer science degree. So Ohio state has two different tracks you can go through. Um, you can do computer information sciences or you can do, um, computer science and engineering. So like I did that because I was extremely indecisive. (laughs) Um, and like, it's easier to be a computer science and engineering major and switch into another engineering than, um, the other one. So, um, we take computer science classes, but we also take two electrical engineering classes and then we take the sequence of classes meant for all engineers. So fundamentals of engineering is just like, you know, going over labs, talking about wind turbines and how do I like measure this beam height and weight and, give and thrust and all of those fun fun words you hear in engineering
0: so one of the things that always strikes me about engineers is that I feel like you're all about fixing problems yeah my my wife's dad is an engineer and it's it's like he looks for problems you know it's (laughs) don't don't quote me on well I'm saying this on a podcast but it's almost like he likes to (laughs) break break stuff so that he can fix
1: yeah my dad was mechanical so yes he's the same way yeah
0: so So, talk to me about that orientation of yeah. wanting to to solve and fix problems, and how has that impacted your trajectory uh, both professionally and, and academically
1: um, so I, I think a really common misconception, especially when you're in high school and middle school, is that all engineers build bridges, they build buildings, um, they work on jet engines, for example, you know rel- relating to job my current job. Um, but I I don't think that's true just based off of like, you know, now being computer science and graduating college um, problem solving encompasses a lot of different majors and ways of doing things. So like, just because my, for example, my friend is mechanical engineering and is like trying to solve, I don't know, they're in the middle of a shop floor working on, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a piss. They're working on a piston. Um, I always thought engineering was like that. That's that's not exactly everything that engineering encompasses, I think, is the, the big part. Um, so my trajectory, based off of that, I was like, I don't want to be engineering. I don't want to build bridges. I don't like that. I'm not into it, um, for lack of more words. Um, so it wasn't until my senior year of high school when I took my first coding class, um, which I thought was pretty ahead of the game, but apparently not, because there's plenty of people who code, like, you know, in middle school, which I was so surprised at. Um, and it was there that I realized, oh, problem solving that engineers do doesn't have to be building a bridge. It can be, you know, making a dog go across the screen or, um, you know, driving a robot to a diff- through a different obstacle course or something like that. Um, so problem solving is a huge – it encompasses a lot. And I think a lot of people feel like, oh, I have to build bridges. I have to do this or that to be an engineer. But I just don't think that's true. Um, and I've seen it in internships too, like, you know, engineers solve different types of problems. It's not just the basic ones that you think of.
0: Well, so what, what really struck me about, there are a couple of things that you said that really stuck with mm-hmm. me. And, and, and one of them is the fact that you, you didn't know what you didn't know. And yeah. you thought that being an engineer was just being on a shop floor and you did not like right. that. And it wasn't until you were exposed to all of, or at least one other aspect of engineering that started to pique your interest. And so one of the things that we do in our organization at Code to College is we Mm -hmm. focus on access and exposure to a variety of industries. And so I'd love to hear about what access has looked like for you.
1: So once I had my family, I was the first person to get a four year degree on one side. And then the other side of the family, they were all engineers, like they've been going to college for years, like this is, for decades, this is normal for them. Um, So being in that kind of, that environment growing up was interesting, because like I got to learn both sides of the coin, Um, and like, you know, both parents and my mom went to um, junior college, my dad went to full college, so they're both IT related. So like my mom was information systems and my dad was, um, he was mechanical engineering, but he practices in the IT field now. Um, so I think, <clears throat> I think my access was still pretty small for like what I'm doing now, but I think it's still like my mom can still, like, we were just talking about cues. Like, I, I don't know if the students have probably talked about it, but like, you know, queue is just like a line, you know, first in, um, first out kind of thing. So like it, it's it's those little exposures that kind of helped and then you know in high school I took that my school's first coding class and then I still felt like I was kind of behind um when I got to college but luckily um Ohio State has a class for kids that think they're behind not really um it's just an intro to Java course so like that's how I kind of learned about my access the access and then um going past like just learning about computer science job-wise like uh people you probably hear this all the time um computer science is everywhere and you can always find a job and I think that's so that's extremely accurate I mean everything is especially in our world now everything is supported by technology um so I've always found that to be pretty comforting like uh you know if I get bored in in one industry I could find something else to do in another because they probably will need a computer scientist so um just relating to jobs it's really cool even in internships like I've you know had a multitude of different experiences while interning and that, that's been fun
0: so I mean it doesn't it doesn't sound like you really had any challenges in your trajectory
1: oh no not at <laughs> all oh tons of them all of them <laughs>
0: <laughs> well so 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 talk to me about that way I mean because yeah. it sounds like I'm gonna I'm gonna make an assumption it sounds like high school was a breeze for you I'm just gonna go ahead and say that yeah, that's fair. Yeah. This is, okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so I didn't study
0: much. You didn't study much. Okay. So no. I, I think I think I hit a point in high school as well where I was like, all right, this is this is all right. But then you
1: hit the plateau. Yeah, you kind of hit the plateau.
0: Yeah. Well, so then what about college? Because you're talking about computer science and engineering, and you yeah. know, I I've, I I remember. So I was in a program where we reviewed resumes, and that was where yeah. I learned that a 2.5 GPA for an engineer is fantastic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It, these are, you know, that's, that's, I was going to say, that's a good place to start. Cause I, I think high school, like I was coasting. I was like, you know what I can do, you know, I can take me like two hours to get an A in this, A in this test, like easy. Um, and I think my hardest class in high school was like chemistry. And I was like, I'll never be a chemist. So I don't know. I mean, I just need a B. It's fine. Um, and that was my only B in high school, which is surprising. Um, so when I got to college, college was a smack in the face, <laughs> like for lack of, lack of nicer words, it, I was, sh- I was shook to, it's not to, that's exactly how I was shook. Um, college is such a different level. Um, and I don't say this to, like scare people, but it's a new it's a new normal. You have to get used to it. And like, I feel like I didn't even understand college and I didn't know how to play the game, like quote unquote until my last semester when I was like, I like, I think I got, a, I got my highest GPA ever my last semester because I really, I knew the game. Um, it only took five years. Wow. Um, well, what, is, but, what is
0: the game though? What is, I, I mean, yeah. I, clue us in.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think the game, the game of college, I think every college is different, but it, it always comes down to these few things. Like going to your professor, your TA, oh, that that's essentially gold. No matter how bad you're doing in a class, if you see your, your TA and your professor constantly, they can't let you fail. They just can't. They, they won't feel good in their hearts to do that. But I mean, honestly, they're, they're such a good resource just to learn because at the end of the day, you know, they're grading your assignments. They're giving you your assignments and you know, they're teaching the material. are the, they're the subject matter experts. You're, I mean, you're not at the beginning. Um, also taking the time to study, um, my first semester, I just, I just didn't study. I just didn't feel like, I was like, oh, I'm good. I, it's just like high school until I got like, I think I got like a, I want to say like a 65 on my first Calc one exam. And I'm like, this is not okay. Like, this, <laughs> I remember crying and calling my mom and she's like, at least you got it your first semester and not when your grades truly matter. So I was like, wow, thanks mom. Um, but there was a lot of times that I called my parents crying and I'm like, I, I think I need to quit college. I'm just not doing well. And they're like, and like you said, the 2.5 GPA, like my dad was like, Courtney, it could get so much worse. Like, j- don't worry about it. The average is a 64 and you got a 65. So you're doing well. <laughs> um, but yeah, college, college is a different bird. It, it's too, it, it's studying. It's making sure that like you're studying the right thing, talking to your TA's professors. Um, I think it's harder it's harder feeling part of a group to start do study groups sometime. Um, but it wasn't until I met friends that I started taking classes with them and things got much easier. Um, and then like, lastly, like, I feel like people don't prioritize, like, I think I got my best grades when I pr- prioritize what I needed to do. Like if I felt uncomfortable on something, I would take the time to study it. If I felt confident in it, I would stop studying. Um, and then, you know, try to hang out with my friends or, you know, do something fun. Cause at the end of the day, like you, you won't feel like you're truly thriving unless you're able to like have that balance. And, and I guess the last thing too, is like, some things are just going to fall by the wayside. Like to this day, I could not tell you, like I could, I always have issues with this, but keeping my room clean, it just, <laughs> I I could not keep it pristine the way I was used to in high school. It was just, that was just one thing it's like the three triangle like sleep grades or friends you have to pick two Mm um so typically be grades and friends but but yeah college is hard college is very hard
0: and so how did you make it through because uh, i mean i so one i'd love to hear was there a time when you wanted to give up and all
1: the time yeah all the time okay
0: just uh, give me one of those times and what pulled you through
1: I think, uh, so I, like I said, my first semester was the hardest. I think it was just, it was just getting used to college. Uh, I had a bad roommate. Um, I had really bad roommate issues and, you know, people don't understand, like roommates do factor into your, your being and your mental health a lot more than you think. Cause you're with, you know, you go home, that's who you're with. You're not with your parents. You're not with your siblings, stuff like that, or with your family or, you know, your guardian, whatever, um, So that, that's a huge thing. Um, that was a huge thing in my first semester that really bothered me. I struggled with my grades because I just wasn't used to college yet. Um, and then in general, I I was homesick a lot too. I mean, I was only an hour away from home, but it was still a lot. And just in general, just getting used to computer science. I wasn't used to, you know, having to work on, you know, object oriented programming and like all that fun stuff that goes around it. Um, So I think that was, those are the biggest, those are the biggest issues. And I still struggle with those to this day. Like, you know, even working full time, I'm still like, I kind of wish I was at home sometime or like, Oh, I miss all my, well, especially now with COVID, but I miss all my friends and stuff like that. Um, It's you're always going to have some bad days, but I think, I always like to think like every day is a new chance to do something different. I think at least in some way. Um, So, you know, when I go to bed at night, I'm like, tomorrow can't be as bad as today. And typically it's not like I, 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 that gets me through. And then I also vent a lot, (laughs) vent a lot to like my friends and family. Um, My boyfriend would say he's the first person that I tell things to good or bad, typically bad. Um, So I think the venting and having someone to talk to, having a shoulder to lean on, like you have to have a support group, a squad, if you will, um, getting you through your college career.
0: You know, so you mentioned, Covid, how has that mm-hmm. impacted your connection to to your support network, and, and how have you found ways to um, to to navigate that?
1: Um, it was, I want to say it was difficult, and a lot of like I think I think the whole co- with Covid and like it's still ongoing, and like you know, some da- some days it's like we don't see an end in sight. Like this is going to be like this for a long time. And you know, every time I look at my Snapchat and like get reminders of like, you know, this time last year you were here and there, and it's like that's not happening now, kind of thing. Um, But I think what to try to get through, like my support network was most of my friends. Um, I had my boss at uh, during my work school work job, school job at wait, job at work um, was through the university. So like, I had my bosses through there that I saw like almost every day. Uh, My friends, I saw constantly. Um, My parents, I would see them when I needed to. And then, like, having that stripped away so quickly was just wild to me. Um, You know, all my friends moved back home. Of course, I have friends that are all over the country. Like, of course, it's me. (laughs) So, you know, having to be on their time zone and stuff like that, when I want to talk to them on the phone, I have to, like, we have to schedule time. It's just really weird. Um, But, I mean, I guess that's one part. Like, you know, calling my friends, talking to them. I moved home. It, which was interesting being in a, a house after five years of not being there. Um, which like, I'm still very blessed and happy, that you know, for willing to take me back in and, you know, house me for a few, a couple months. Um, but the support system was still there, but I think that what made, made COVID so interesting is that everybody was feeling that stress. It wasn't just you. Everybody's feeling like overwhelmed and sad and lonely and like, You know, you can't run away from home, like run away from home, like take a drive or like go somewhere because you're not really supposed to be out. You're supposed to be quarantining, you know, staying in your house. So that, that was the biggest spin on things. So kind of like misery loves company. Like we're all just kind of trying to get through it together and just talking to each other about it.
0: So then, then my next question would be, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how have you, so uh, I'll take a step back. Yeah. I am, you know, nearly twice your age. And so <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I think about um, just the state of the world right now, I think, yeah. you know, this is, I have never seen the world look like this before. And yeah. when I think of folks who are younger, you know, your age, even younger than that, I yeah. think that that's been the majority of their lives. And so I'd love to just get a sense from you, how are you receiving the state of the world today? Um, mm-hmm. Everything from how we're dealing, you know, the United States' response to COVID to, yeah. um, racial injustice and and how it has spiked uh whether whether we're talking about the awareness whether we're talking about the, yeah. the coverage of it um yeah. how it's impacted you as a as a new as a new professional because you now you're yeah. a, a full-time employee
1: i i want to i i try to, i'm the type of person that likes to be optimistic about things but again like i i, I like to rant so like I think the biggest thing for me, like, going through all of this is, like, I have to, like, I started really journaling because, like, I'm, like, this is the only outlet I really have because if I complain to someone else, they're going to say, okay, I'm going through the same thing and I don't know how to help you. And I think my parents even said that, too. Like, they're, like, oh, we've been through pandemics before. I'm, like, no, you haven't. Like, stop. You know how parents do that. Like, oh, yeah, I'm totally, no, you haven't.
0: You know, the last one was in 1919 or something. like <laughs> that.
1: Exactly. I was like, all right. You know how parents are always like, Oh, you, you can get through it. We got through it kind of thing. And I think that's, that's a big, that's a kicker. Like, you know, nobody has gone through this that, you know, most people are not alive. Um, you know, I have a, my mom has a friend who's like almost a hundred years old and she's like, Oh, I remember this. And it's like, no one else does like kind of thing. Um, but with that in mind, like, I think the racial the racial tension the racial let's be real the racial tension that's been there for years is just people are like oh like you know people of color well black people are treated incorrectly like wow and it's weird because it's like I've been living this you know day in and day out you know my entire life along with my family members so it's like it you would think I would think like all like me and my black peers are kind of like oh yeah it's you know we've been dealing with this but i think like for some reason it felt like it was magnified like 20 times you know 200,000 times and i think it was just purely because of covid like we're all at home we have nothing really else to look at it's just you know we're looking at depressing things that are happening so like I, to be honest like i was sick to my stomach for for weeks i like i i just was just trying to practice self-care and like i i was down for the count like i was very sick to my stomach like Every time I thought about it, I was just like, "I'm so sickened about, you know, this is happening in the country I live in," and you know, and I think a big part is it was a veil over it, like we didn't expect all of this stuff to happen. You know, we knew this stuff was happening, but it's like now it's like this is truly happening, and we are seeing this with our own eyes. And at the end of the day, again, I want to try to be optimistic and say like, if there wasn't any other time to, like for this to happen, it would have been now because. You know, we all are, are. We are at home. We can't ignore it. <clears throat> but I think for Black people, it's so much harder because, like, we've been dealing with this for so long. You know, our aunt, We, you know, we're born on you know the shoulders of our ancestors that have dealt with it, and like, it, it's just, it's the same. It's oppression, but in a different way. And I think that's that's in the hardest part. But and I don't even. I don't even. Can't even say that I've gotten through it yet. I think I'm just still trying to figure out what is going on. Like, what is happening. Like you know, I hear the stories my parents tell me and like, I can tell there's a difference in them. Like, you know, you usually go to your parents for a lot of things and it's like, they're even sad and depressed about it. They don't have the answer. So it's like, who does kind of thing. And I think it just is, it's taking so much time to really figure out like, you know, these systems we've had in place for years aren't always on our side kind of thing. And it, it's been a wild time. It's been a wild time for sure. Even, and then going into work, it's just been, it's the elephant in the room. Um, and luckily like we've been in different diversity and inclusion talks and like you know really talked about like you know what is all lives versus black lives matter being and you know how many people really have died at the hands of police brutality and it's 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 been a wild time
0: can you can you talk about how that yeah. impacts how does talk to me how your employer treats equity and diversity and inclusion, how important is that to you? And how does that impact your decision to to remain an employee with them?
1: Yeah, uh, I definitely wanna say this piece of advice for everybody listening. After all of this, if your employer is not willing to tell you or talk to you and like make changes on your behalf, take action, I would not work there. And that and that's I think that's been really big too because like all of the companies that I thought I loved and like oh I have to, you know, go to a big four company, it's like they're not treating people who look like me correctly and they haven't been for years. And it's like all of these people have these stories about how they've been treated. Like, am I gonna be treated like that? So that that's my biggest piece of advice. Like, you know, not every company's perfect and like, you know, These systems, like I said, systems have been in place for years. Like, it's just inevitable that things are going to happen that are, you know, disrespectful and, you know, downright terrible to, you know, people that look different or act different, have different ability, different sexual orientation, all of that. Um, But I think that's the biggest thing for me. Like, I I struggled with it. I've been, what, interned at two companies, and um, one of them was more willing to call out, more willing to call out, like, okay, this is obvious, we don't have enough women, or we don't have enough people of color, or, you know, we don't have underrepresented minorities. Um, and it's like, okay, you're saying this, and you're aware of it, but are you doing any actions to, you know, take care of it? So I think that's the biggest thing for me, if a company's not willing to take action, donate money, you know, as, as the kids say, open their purses, <laughs> like, I, it's not worth your time. It's it just, it, I don't think it is. And I think a lot of social media platforms, let's be honest, are supported by people of color and like there's so many things that you know america and i guess the world has gotten from people of color and like technology whatever and it's like they don't give them the credit so it's like i shouldn't be supporting a company like that too if they're not willing to give credit and take action and you know take up for me at the end of the day
0: how so how do you so how has all of this either Mm -hmm. changed or reinforced how you spend your dollars
1: I definitely, like, for me, I definitely have been doing my research on companies. There has been a few companies I I barely buy things from anymore um, and some pretty big ones. But I'm lucky in the fact that, like, I have a lot of friends who have been posting really good resources. They've been sharing them with me. Um, I started only, you know, I'm trying to purely buy from Black-owned businesses or, you know, brands that I know are supported by, you know, Black people. Um, And in general, just looking at, like, practices that the company does ethically like you know i'm trying to think of an example of one i'm looking for new skincare and i didn't realize there were so many different black brands out there that are actually formulated for skin like mine it's like why didn't i do this before kind of thing but um i've been trying to do my research as much as possible it's it's deep in there but like there's tons of in black owned restaurants is another thing i've been trying to do that too um because let's be real the food goes off a little bit, like, not gonna lie, I've been spending my dollars there too. It's just, it's more of about awareness. Like, are you are, what brands are you supporting kind of thing? It's like, if you're going to still support those brands, the least you could do is, you know, buy from a black owned restaurant once a week or once every two weeks.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's when you talk about your advice to listeners, if, you're not feeling supported or represented or that your employer is not speaking out for you. You should not be working there. Um, I imagine that there are employers who are listening as well. And yeah. I imagine that there are folks who are going to listen to this podcast and say, wait, she's an she's a black female engineer and she's working at <laughs> How do we get yeah. in touch with her? <laughs> so, so this is, this is not, an invitation or solicitation for such <laughs> offers, but what would you? I mean, in terms of candidate profile, what are some? Yeah. What are some pieces of advice that you would give to employers out there? Because uh, I'll tell you right yeah. now, before you answer, we are uh, we've got this initiative called Vision Twenty Twenty Four, and mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. placing two hundred Black and Latinx women into STEM roles by twenty twenty four. Yeah, and, and we're raising one point five. We're well, we're raising one point five million, and what would be amazing is if, if these companies would help us close this race. <laughs> yeah, and yeah,
1: yeah. I want them to too. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, so well, I guess you know, if if I had advice, I'd say like put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. But I know that they want they want you, and so what could right. they do to get uh, an incredible candidate like yourself?
1: I think the biggest thing for me that the, you know, to be perfectly honest, the only reason why I really was interested in G and I, I actually went to work there was purely, purely. Well, and I guess I guess I also interned at Disney. So I think the other two of the re- I guess one reason that I interned at both companies and then worked at one of these companies is they were at a conference. They were at a club meeting that I was a part of. Um, so specifically, like I'm a part of I was a part of National Society of Black Engineers briefly. Um, but I was more involved in the women computer science club. So we attended grace hopper every year. Grace hopper conference is the world's largest conference dedicated to women in technology. Um, also the one place that I've met some amazing black women in lat and Latina women, uh, amazing, amazing women. Um, there's not that many of us, but like, there's oh, super kind, intelligent women. Amazing. Um, and those two places, so, you know, club meetings, stuff like that, um, going back to that, it's those niche, for lack of a better word, niche clubs that, like, I found out about companies. They were willing to say, like, you know, hey, we, know, we don't know have that many women, or, you know, sometimes our training might not be, and this is not just GE and Disney, this is every company I've thought of working at. Um, if a company is not willing, and I, but these times are different, like, again, I was searching for jobs before all this stuff happened you know, and to people looking for jobs now, or, you know, looking for jobs in the future, like if you're still in high school, if a company is not making, you know, a statement, or, you know, saying we're donating 5 million or a million, whatever, whatever price tag, you know, to an organization dedicated to, you know, helping black, Latinx, or Hispanic, or, you know, any type of minority group right now, um, keep that in mind, keep, take note of that, I think that made a difference for me, like, I'm like, do they even care about diversity and inclusion? Like, they don't want me to work there if they're not supporting people that look like me. And at the end of it, like, but I I think that's another thing, too. Like, I I should have said this in the beginning. Like, sometimes you are caught, you're caught in where you are. And I don't want people to think, like, oh, Courtney must only, you know, work at companies that fully support Black people. And, you know, I wish companies did, of course. But it's, like, you sometimes get caught in that mindset of I have to work here because I need a job and it makes me so sad that like that's how we feel and like I have family members who are like that you know I feel like I'm caught in this job because I'm black and I don't think people will hire me and you know I i try to help as much as I can as a new grad um you know telling students or like my peers that like you know all these companies don't have that mindset of like oh like we're just hiring them for our diversity numbers or they're they're diversity hire. excuse me they're the diversity hire. Um, it, it's just very, it's such, it's murky waters. Like, if, <laughs> my whole rant just now told you, like, it's such murky waters, but the times are changing. Like, you know, science and violence type thing, like, that is so true. And if companies aren't willing to do that, willing to say that, you know, say that we have done wrong, or it's owning up to it and taking action. I think that's all it is. You know, and if companies aren't willing to do that, may put them at the bottom of your list. I don't know.
0: It's your silence... Uh, speaks volumes and, and is often yeah. so much louder than what you're actually saying right exactly uh, well so where do you see yourself in in I, I i i say the next five ten years but just generally in the future where, where do you see yourself heading i know that covid kind of threw us all for a loop so <laughs> maybe it's um, like, where, where do you see, see yourself in the next five weeks
1: <laughs> i guess okay next five weeks still i hopefully still have a job so that's good <laughs> Still getting paid um, in corporate America. <laughs> um, but on that note, I hope and pray to be in, I, I want to be in a company I really love. Um, not saying I don't love the company I'm in now, but at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I'm making positive change for people that may not have been listened to in the past. Um, so specifically, like I really love healthcare and I've been really passionate about it. I lost my aunt to cancer back in my junior year of high school and that was when that that spark of like, I don't think any family should go through losing their, you know, their family member to cancer, specifically, you know, people of color like, we you know, we're disproportionately affected by things like that. So I don't know if maybe I'll be in a health um, I just want to make sure I'm doing something that's positive for our community or, you know, the world or something. That's a pretty lofty, <laughs> something pretty lofty to say. But um, I want to make positive change at the end of the day. Like I want to be able to say, I felt like I've changed somebody's life today kind of thing at the end of the day. Oh I, And I do want to stay in technology, I think for at least next 10 years. So,
0: you know, I wanted to circle back to something that you had mentioned earlier and yeah. your, you know, <clears throat> you said that both your parents are mm-hmm. in STEM. Yeah. And that was the case for me as well. Um, my dad, uh, he's in insurance. My mom, she was, uh, an in, you know, but she was a bookkeeper. And yeah, yeah. so I, you know, math, math was good. Enjoyed math. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> and, you know, you said that your dad was an engineer and your mom, she was also an engineer. She
1: was, um, uh, she was MIS. So I'm she sure. was information systems. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, and not to mention the fact that even though you said it was late, you started with computer science back in high school. So Mm -hmm. when I think of some of the students that we serve at Code to College and just other women, Black, Latinx women, other women of color out there who may not have that type of exposure early on or or access to resources, how do you think about them getting connected? Uh, What are some things or some ways that you think they'd be able to to reach where you are and, and beyond?
1: Uh, I definitely want to preface this. Like, I I feel like even after getting a four-year degree, well, five-year degree, that I know a lot. But I think there's so many things I don't know. There's so many – I've gotten that breath. Like, I know a lot of different things about a lot of different stuff in technology, but I don't have a certain focus. And I think that's the one big thing. Like, uh, someone told me, like, maybe my sophomore year, like, you should pick a, a, a language and focus on it, like a, a programming language. Because at the end of the day, you never know, there might be a job opportunity that's just looking for React, and they want you to build a web app in React. Um, So I think my biggest piece of advice is, there's so many things that are online, like if you have the chance to access, you know, have an internet connection, or, you know, have a device that connects to the internet, um, there's tons of resources I I still use to this day, like there's, (laughs) like I said, there's so many things I don't know, and I go to I go to Google first, essentially, you know, for every question I may have. Um, but I also think it's a another. I feel like a lot of the black women and like women and um, minority people I've met that are super willing to talk about things that they've you know done and like how they've kind of got their start. Because it, it's shocking how many people have done boot camps and stuff like that. And also being bold <laughs> with job applications. If you even if you feel like you're not qualified, just apply. Uh, if you think you only have like three out of the f- three out of the five skills or something still apply. There's so many different coding curriculums out that are free on top of that. You know, we don't like to pay for things, but yeah, that's where I got a lot of my like little skills, like not even from my degree I got from, you know, learning online or doing a, you know, a little coding tutorial or something.
0: Well, Courtney Campbell of the Ohio state university <laughs> fame. And DTop, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am so uh, grateful for your time and for your inspiration. Um oh, thank you. Yeah, and I I know that folks uh, have loved hearing from you, and can't wait to have them back for uh, for our next episode. But also, hopefully, we can yeah. we can do a follow up with you as well.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- thank you to you. Thanks for so much. Like I, I appreciate it. Appreciate the compliments too. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks so much and uh, have a good one. Thanks. You too. The Technically 200 podcast is hosted by me, Matt Stevenson. Post-production is handled by Noriel Aurelio. Our theme music is produced and edited by DJ Slice. Have a recommendation for a Black or Latinx woman in STEM we should feature? Email me at matt at code2college.org. You can find us online on Twitter, Instagram, and technically200.com. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Thursday with a brand new episode.